behold, verse 9, they had made a graven image, and all them vanity and their delectable things shall not profit, and they are their own witnesses. They see not, nor know, nor know. They that be ashamed, who had formed the God a molten or graven image that is profitable for nothing. Behold, all his fellows shall be ashamed, and the workmen they are of men. Let them all be gathered together. Let them stand up, yet they shall fear, and they shall be ashamed together. The smith with the tongs both work it in the coals, and fashion it with hammers, and work it with the strength of his arms. Yea, he is hungry, and his strength faileth. He drinketh no water, and is faint. The carpenter stretched out his rule, he marked it out with a line. He fitted it with planes, and he marked it with the compass, and maketh it after the figure of a man, according to the beauty of a man, that it remain in the house. He hew it down cedars, and take up the cypress, and the oak which he strengthened for himself among the trees of the forest. He planted an ash, and the rain doeth nourish it. Then shall it be for a man to burn, for he will take thereof and warm himself. Yea, he kindle it and bake it bread. Yea, he make it a god and worship it. He make it a graven image and fall it down thereunto. He burn it thereof, part in the fire. With part thereof he eat it flush. He roast it, roast, and is satisfied. Yet he warmeth himself and said, Aha, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the residue thereof he make it a god, even his graven image. He falleth down unto it, and worship it, and pray it unto it, and said, Deliver me, for thou art my God. They have not known nor understood, for he had shut their eyes, and they cannot see, and their hearts that they cannot understand. And none considered in his heart, neither is their knowledge nor understanding the sake. I have burned part of it in the fire, yea, have also baked bread upon the coals thereof, I have roasted flesh and eaten it, and I shall make the residue an abomination. Shall I fall down to the stock of a tree? And it continues on here. But the idea is idolatry. All of their daytime chores and their labor, all of their works, is given to something that they can see, something that they worship, something that's an integral part of their lives whereby they worship the work of their hands. And I gave you some definitions and talked about idols in some past lessons. And this in chapter 44 of Isaiah, the 7th through the 20th verse is about man making idols and this is in its everyday life in Old Testament times. But what had happened to them was an example unto us for our admonition that had fallen unto us at end times here. This is the same thing we do, albeit in different form and fashions. We are given to idolatry. Man is given to idolatry and there's a it's the deceptiveness of idolatry that imprisons man that brings us into bondage. Uh, I think last week I said 
liberating from bondage or liberating from idols. Christ had come to set us free. Once he had redeemed us, he had blotted out our sins and transgressions. We shouldn't continue to build back those things in which he had abolished or he destroyed. So what we have to learn, just what is idolatry? And I told you, covetousness is idolatry. Sexual immorality is idolatry. There's so much idolatry today that we need to find out just what is idolatry. And self is the greatest idol maker you have. And that's the greatest fight that you have is with self. That's why self has to be put to death. Self has to die. Paul was struggling with self, and I told you about it in the book of Romans, the seventh chapter, that it was a struggle going on with him. Once verse 22 comes into effect here, he says, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth, break, break forth in the singing, ye mountains, O forests, and everything therein. For the Lord had redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. That redemption sets us free from the bondage that is in the world. Everything in the world is trying to bring you into bondage. That's why he says, love not the world or the things of the world. We should have authority over the things of the world. That's why he had given us, those that believe it upon Christ Jesus, those that had believed, believed that his blood had cleansed us and that we were buried with him, he gave to us that believe upon him the ability, in other words, the power to become the sons of God. And that's overcoming, and that overcoming is in our everyday life we have to keep turning unto Him. And as I said, repentance is a daily thing. It's a continual turning to God away from self and the things of the world. Let me read something here out of the book of Luke, the fourth chapter, 18th through the 19th verse. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He had anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, and to proclaim liberty to the captives. Liberty is freedom. The world had had us in bondage. Satan had us bound. There's no freedom of will. There's no such thing as free will. You're either bound to Satan in this world, or you're bound to Jesus Christ. And I consider myself or believe that I'm his bond servant now that he has freed me from the clutches of this world, that he had redeemed me, he had, I was lost, but he had reconciled me unto God, and that now I walk in the newness of life. So I have to pull off those shackles that bond, bind me. Remember I told you you called Lazarus from the grave, but not just calling Lazarus from the grave, the grave clothes that Lazarus had on he had to be loose from them. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. 
the things of this world binds us. Sometimes it's our family that binds us. It's our job. It's, it's so many things that binds us. But he came to set us at liberty because we were captives and God had set us free through Christ Jesus and reconciled us unto himself. And we should enjoy the freedom, the liberty that's in Christ Jesus. That's why we should sing and glorify him and sing a, a happy song and look unto him. He says, and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The year of Jubilee, the time that God had brought us back, that He had redeemed us from slavery and bondage to the world and to the things of the world. Now we are free in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation to us who are in Christ Jesus. And as we go forth proclaiming His gospel, glorifying Him and proclaiming the acceptable time of the Lord. It is the gospel. We are His witnesses that this has been done. The deceptiveness of idolatry. Hosea 10 chapter, first to the second verse says, Israel is a luxury and prolific vine. It produces fruit for Himself. The more His fruit, the more altars He made to Baal. The richer his land, the better he made the idolatrous pillars. Their heart is divided, that is, faithless. Now that they must bear their guilt and punishment, the Lord will break down the horns of their altar. Horns is a sign, a symbol of power. And I was telling you about the horns, and I don't want to get sidetracked from that, but it was a symbol of power. It says, He will destroy the idolatrous pillars. That's the amplified version. The living version reads, How prosperous Israel is, a luxuriant vine all filled with fruit. But the more wealth I give her, the more she pours it out on the altars of her heathen gods. The richer the harvest I give her, the more beautiful the statues and idols she erects. The heart of her people are false toward God. They are guilty and must be punished. God will break down their heathen altars and smash their idols. As we become wealthy and prosperous, we build bigger buildings. We build mega churches. We build greater edifices. We give board to the pastors and to the people in the church. And we lay our descends. We rich and prosperous. Prosperity and the prosperity that we have, we give it to false idols and people that's preaching and teaching a false gospel they're leading you away through till destruction and it says a luxury vine the more God blesses you and give to you the more you give it to the false prophets to the false teachers to idolatry to material things to your grandchildren your grandparents to your children and to your spouses and to Things that are given to the world and not unto God. God has just destroyed and disrupt this system. The problem between God and Israel is clearly evident, and and between God and Israel is clearly exposed. Uh, 
Hosea describes Israel as a luxuriant grapevine sending runners in every direction, indicating of producing a bountiful crop. Great prosperity is indeed produced, yet it is consumed in self-indulgence. It's all about self. That's what I say. Self is the idol that sits on the throne in this day and time. We have to see that we're making gods of our own self uh, into the things around us. And like I said, there be many gods, little g, many adopt idols in the land. But God has to destroy those idols and show you the sovereignty of God, that he's the only one living and true God, that he's a jealous God. So he has to destroy everything in your life that you build up as those idols. Israel abuses prosperity by using it for purposes of idolatry in which the church is Israel is a type of Israel and that's what we do today. We use the name of Christ but it's a false Christ. It's a false Jesus. And it's to glorify ourselves to bring attention to ourselves. It is not concentrated upon ourselves. It's, I mean, it's not consecrated, uh, concentrated upon God as when they told him on the Cy- Cyprus, Cyrus. Look here at verse uh, 26 of the 44th chapter of Isaiah. That confirmed the word of his servant and performed the counsel of his messengers that said to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be inhabited into the cities of Judah, Ye shall be built, and I will raise up the decayed places thereof, that say it to the deep, Be dry, and I will dry up thine rivers. That say it unto Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple, and thy foundation shall be laid. But there were many Jews that didn't come back under that decree of Cyrus, to go back to Jerusalem and build up Jerusalem. There are a lot of our children and our relatives and people that are not coming back to the old place and rebuilding the ruined and destroyed temples and places of David, the type of Christ. They're giving it to idols, idolatry, and to other places. They're they're forming their own gods, their, their own religion, and that, that's a problem. God has to bring in destruction before he can pour out his spirit upon them to blot out their sins and transgressions. He has to work in their lives to turn them back to us, to him. Now, when he says, turn unto me, and he had poured out his spirit upon them, though that was a effectual call. In other words, everyone he's talking to at that time would do what he said do and that's not a rebellious people but we see now we see at this time that this is a very rebellious nation and that our children our spouses our relatives our employers our employees the nation as a whole is in rebellion and God has to destroy all rebellion he has to put down resistance so that he can build his kingdom he has to remove the evil doer God is indicating that his prosperity played a part in corrupting the heart in his people. And 
that's the problem. Remember I tell you prosperity is destroy a fool. And a lot of us are in churches that thinking God that this is gain in churches that are not preaching repentance, in churches that are not effectively using the through the Holy Spirit preaching God's word to bring a conviction upon the people. There's something I, I don't know how many of us can see, and I told you it, the people were blind and they were in darkness. To see this false religion, how prevailing it is, and there's no effect of holiness. It's a form of religion, but there's no spiritual conviction there where the people understand what's being preached and they are applying it to themselves and to the nation and to their everyday life that they are walking actually in God's Word, but they're going about building. Babylon. They're building a false religion. They're building things that won't last, that God has destroyed, though they are rich and wealthy. And I have an article, I don't think it's part of what I printed today, about this transferal of wealth. The baby boomers and a lot of people that are dying out, that are passing this wealth on to the children, their inheritance is in this trillions of dollars of wealth, they're not using it correctly. And that wealth will be lost. That could be given to the people of God because as God destroyed the foundations, a lot of us are far from what our people was. We are, we're nothing like our parents. A lot of us are nothing like our parents. The religious system, the belief system, and God's refining and straightening that out as he lays the plummet line. Remember I told you that plumb line? They will have to tow that line. Anybody that's not towing that line will be chaff. They'll be blown away and destroyed. This is why the deceitful, divided, disloyal heart, heart is mentioned in context with the multitude of its fruit. Their mouths honor God but their hearts are full from it. It's easy to say things about God, but it's a divided heart. This national Christianity that's rising, it's a false Christianity. And I was telling you about, I think it's North Carolina, wherever this Senate race is with Herschel Walker. This is a blatant stand against what family values are. This is where the Republican Party and those people that are standing by them are destroying, are trying to destroy a nation by putting his, his people, this people forward. That's an insult to the average African American that this guy has his seed throughout the, the nation. I mean, no telling what women has his children. No matter how many people, abortion and everything, and he's not very intelligent, but the people are boosting him up. And and it's a banner of Christianity, they're saying, family values. This is this is very this is wickedness at its greatest. And we see that. Much of the world's appeal is that it seems to offer financial security. And I, I seems as be if you examine him, he's a financial mess. But people are talking about family values, the price of gas, the price of food, and inflation. 
But I think they're missing the spiritual aspect of this. They're so materialistic that they'll vote and get behind these things that's offering things that's tangible, that they can see, that they can use, but it's not by faith. They're walking by sight and not by faith. And that's not a spiritual aspect. That's not very Christian at all. God shows there's a possible evil, a secondary effect. As people become financially secure, their attention is diverted from his purpose to things that are vain and corrupting. It's Laodiceanism. They're rich and they have need of nothing, but not knowing that they're poor, wretched, and naked. They're spiritually void. We see this in the senator that's running here, uh, John Kennedy or whatever. I mean, this is a, a this is very deceptive for the aspect of what he's doing and who he is. And in the South, that that's why the South has to fall because intellectually and throughout the middle. Of Middle America, what they call the Bible Belt, they're they're putting forth a, a false Jesus. People that d- don't actually love from the heart. That's the deceptiveness of idolatry. They'll have you following a man of political system. That's idolatry. Sexual immorality is rampant in that party. Like I said, this guy Herschel Walker, he's a he doesn't flee any sexual immorality, it seems as though. And so that's, there is a problem here. And that's why I say the deceptiveness behind idolatry. And we know that an idol is nothing. And these gods that they are promoting, they're vanity. It's, it's a lot of work. The Laodicean isn't lazy. He works. But he's deceived. He's blind, wretched, and naked because... Christ is knocking at the heart's door, but he won't allow Christ to come in and dwell with him, to sup with him. There's no fellowship with Christ there. Isaiah, the 61st chapter, first and the second verse says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. So that's what the gospel does. And that's what Christ, remember he quoted that, 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 that verse. That we preach the gospel. The gospel loosens these bonds. The true gospel. That's why another Jesus has arisen but he's preaching a false gospel, a gospel that binds man. It binds him into idolatry and following a man. I was reading something in the Atlantic, a newspaper that's a very conservative newspaper, the Atlantic, and it was talking about the degradation of J.D. Vance in Ohio. He wanted former President Trump to campaign with him, and that was something that Trump got up on stage and said about J.D. Vance that was very rude and vulgar and that it was said to any man immediately a fight would break out. 
immediately this was the most repulsive and dis- a decadence of, uh, they said, integrity and dignity had fallen in that party and couldn't get up. Of what he said that J.D. Vance was doing for him just to get his vote, just to get him to stand behind. Something that no man would have his sons, his wife, or anybody to see him to lower himself to another man like that. There are certain things a man could say for, to another man that if that man allow that, he lose respect for every man, woman, and child around him. Nobody has a regard to him if he allows someone to say something to him like this man took. But this is what politics and religion has de- devolved to. It's Laodiceanism, it's deceptive, and it's idolatry. God is not marked, according to Galatians 6 and 7. In several places in the Bible, he states unequivocally that he is a jealous God. He will not be worshipped like any other God, and he won't allow people to use his name in vain. What a man soweth, he shall reap. And that's why this nation that's dwelling in religious hypocrisy, we will pay for calling on God's name and not departing from iniquity. We have to study God's word and walk in God's word and know just what we are doing. To have an understanding and wisdom that only come from God. When he instructed his chosen people, Israel, in the method of his worship, he warned them neither to add to what he had given them, nor take away from it. And you remember I told you about the religious holidays we have added. The ways of worship and in doing of things this party, these people are putting things in Christianity that's not there, that's not biblical. It used to be my pastor that I came upon that had ordained me into this ministry that had prayed for me to come up. He used to say, Brother Jackson, do they have Bible on there? Is there Bible? See, without the regulative principle of worship, in other words, if God's Word doesn't instruct it or say it, we can't add that to that to God's word. We can't add it to worship. And if its word says it, we can't take it away from worship. Add to it, not take it away. There'd be a curse upon you. Christmas versus golden calf worship. They proclaimed the feast unto the Lord, even though they were serious. God hadn't called for them to worship Him in that manner, and He told Moses to let each man turn his sword upon his brother or whatever because that was sacrilege what they did. We can't worship God in the way we want to worship God. Those that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And He had proclaimed how we should worship Him. He was so enraged at the people's idolatry that He considered exterminating the whole nation and starting over with just Moses. And Moses fell upon his face and cried and said, Lord, destroy me, let it fall upon me. And he says, get up, Moses. He says, I'll take care of this. Those that sin against me, I'll take care of those that... If a man sin against God, he's doing something that he has to pay for. Mama, sister, brother can't stand in his seat. We all have to face God for ourselves. 
So we must know God. We must know God for ourselves. He's an individual God even though he believes in corporate worship and he believes in family. He deals with us individually also. That same God, Yahweh, the Lord God of the Old Testament, became Jesus Christ. It's the same God. It's not a different God. He never changes. God does not change. Will our Savior be worshipped in any way that is based upon a lie? No, certainly not. And this in no way takes into consideration the non-biblical, or dare we say, pagan traditions and customs that have taken over the commemoration of sacrifice and triumphant victory. Even though those are big holidays and big things in the world's sight, God calls them false worship. God calls it idolatry. Even though the people were gathered around and were so triumphant and jubilant in golden calf worship, he said, get back Moses, I'm going to destroy the whole lot of them. The Laodicean is not indifferent to making money or making its way in the world. He is not indifferent to improving himself through education or experience. Spending huge amounts of his time and energy pursuing his own interests. His problem is that he chooses the wrong priorities in life. And that is what profits him. What gets him paid. What's for him. It's not about other people. And that's what this nation is about, self-centeredness. It's about the price of gas. It's about inflation. It's about the economy. It's about prestige and pride and, and how do we look to others. He spends most of his time and energy achieving the wrong goals. Watching television, something that entertains himself playing video games or whatever. It's not in studying the Word of God. It's not in praying the Word of God. Because if if he was a spiritual entity, he would realize, it says, redeeming the time because the days of evil. If you sit down there, I remember a show. It was, uh, I thought I remember the name of it. But Dream On, where this person sit there and watch television and played video games but what do you have if you win at video games and all this you have nothing uh, I'll tell you my wife used to work at AT&T customer service and it was a guy that used to play Farmville or Farmville or something or whatever and he called AT&T and he was mad because the system was down and he was saying he couldn't get his crops in and he wanted AT&T to reimburse him because he had lost at the game. And the manager said, let me, let me try to understand what you're saying here. I am to reimburse you money and time and our resources for a game that you were playing what you couldn't get your crops in? See, we've become vain. There was a car wreck the other day where this killer, this murderous guy that was out he had killed one person as a juvenile and he was involved in sort of thing. He had a gun in his car and a ski mask. He was evading the police. He came down a canyon in Windburn and crashed at that intersection into two or three other cars, killing his passenger. I don't know who or why they would have been a passenger in his car with the life that he lived. 
But you know, Grand Theft Auto and all these video games is different in real life, driving and maneuvering those cars down a busy highway when the police is chasing you and there's two or three cars in the intersection. It's not like the movie. you sitting there watching the Fast and Furious or some of this other foolishness that Van Diesel or whatever, these idiots, and you think that you can do it, that there's some super, superhero or some people that's with cars or Arnold Schwarzenegger or somebody that's shooting some gun that's designed to be held with two hands, but this guy's turning circles and turning around, holding a rifle, a machine gun, upside down, shooting three or four people without aiming or without any balance or stabilizing. Our mind doesn't reason or ration correctly. Video games and computers and all of this has destroyed the minds. Our minds are gone. Life is not valued anymore. We don't value life. You know, it's... It, they make videos of people spitting on other people's food or whatever. What kind of individual are you to even do such a vulgar act? Why would you even do these things? Huh? You know, so we are a warped society and we deal in idolatry and that's what can happen to our minds. And it's not preached or taught in the churches anymore. The pursuit of wrong goals restates the actual sin the Laodicean commits, that is, idolatry, placing something above God in one's life. How he serves himself within the church as if he did it for God. I went to church, God ought to be happy with me. Uh, I did my part, and you know, uh, uh, I went to church an hour or two, uh, I did this, well, you know. That was for your benefit. That that doesn't profit God anything. Perhaps he is involved in the work of God, but only half-heartedly. Though probably attending Sabbath service or Sunday worship service is faithful, he is not personally involved with God on a day-to-day basis. Like I say, God is not in all of his thoughts. It's not for God. His mind is not totally centered on God and serving God but it's on self. What can I get out of this? What do I get out of this? He may serve within the church to be recognized, respected, maybe even ordained, forgetting that God called him to be a faithful and true witness. You're looking for a title. And you know, they went from being doctors and apostles and bishops and all of these things in church. Everybody has a ministry. Everybody's respected. We don't sit the people down, you know. You could have, like I said, like Herschel Walker here or whatever, which is bad, bad, bad for our people. And I can't talk from any other perspective, but I'm talking about as young black men that I'm trying to raise my sons and daughters to be family people. This is a bad, bad example to have to be a senator or anyone that would do these things that he's done a bad, bad example. But we have to be true witnesses of God and actually live the way what we say we're living and the church have to watch who they're ordaining or who they put forth. Remember I told you the Presbyterian Church, I think it's the Presbyterian Church or Methodist Church that Jeff Session belonged to during the Trump administration and the church said, now hold up, with some of these viewpoints and saying we as a church can't stand behind you with this or whatever because 
it's a bad example for the church. See, God told David, the reason the sword won't leave your house is because you caused my name to be blasphemed. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people today, a lot of adulterers and people that commit fornication and other things, that's the first thing. They say, well, King David did it. He killed Uriah. That's a bad example. David was a dysfunctional father. Use someone else. Don't use that as example. That's why God put those things there to show you even man at his best is at his worst. Jesus Christ is our example of who we should be following, not another man. That's idolatry when we follow men. That's why when you making a guy senator uh, uh, like they did with Tommy Tupperville and all of these people, now we make movie stars and sports heroes, you, you put them in politics or certain areas or whatever, well, just because he's an actor of uh, uh, sports, that doesn't mean he's a politician. That doesn't mean he's a banker. You're placing people where they don't qualify. That's idolatry. We worship in a name, you know, like the Kardashians. Is there the family? How did they get their wealth? They're famous for being famous or well-known or something? What do they do? to contribute as a people or is it idolatry the masses of people follow them through idolatry it's self worship it's worship of the individual of an image of a graven image that this person could wear this or dress this way so we worship graven images and we give them to idolatry of what people wear they make commercials and things of who driving this car or what they're doing they put some movie star or some sports person behind this and we all want it. The Manning family, I thought it was a very solid family at one time, but here they are behind the Caesars gambling. One of the things that destroys most of the families, it's not just entertainment, but it's a destructive mechanism. And it's all what idolatry does. Because he pays attention to the wrong thing, he witnesses sufferers terribly because he pays attention to the wrong thing his witness suffers terribly because it's the wrong thing or the wrong reason you're doing it you following 50 cents because it says get rich or die trying it's about the dollar it's not about character and conduct and whose you are expending so much energy and enthusiasm in pursuing his own interest he shows little or no interest in God or his goals or what's God purposing for me in life? What does God say I should do? What is he calling me to do or to represent him? He is indifferent and lukewarm toward his relationship with God and thus God says he's about to spew him out of his mouth. Ezekiel the 20th chapter first through the 7th verse uh, I told you I wasn't going to read that whole thing last time. But he was talking about, he says, uh, Judge them, son of man, condemn them. Tell all of the sins of this nation from the times of their fathers until now. Tell them, the Lord God says, When I chose Israel and revealed myself to her in Egypt, I swore to her and to her descendants that I would bring them out of Egypt to a land I had discovered and explored for them, a good land, flowing as it were with milk and honey, the best of all lands anywhere. 
Then I said to them, Get rid of every idol. Do not defile yourself with the Egyptian gods, for I am the Lord your God. And they had defiled themselves with all of the gods of Egypt. He brought his people out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of them. He calls his people today out of Babylon. It's not a geographical coming out. He says, come out of the world. Babylon is the world. The world is Babylon. So we have to be reconditioned. We have to have a new mindset. We have to have a new attitude, a whole new different position. He gives us a new heart, a heart to follow after him. That's what the new birth is. When he redeems us and blots out our sins, that's so that we wouldn't build again those things that he destroyed. He's destroying the idols in our lives. And if we build again that which he destroyed, we become the transgression itself. If he cleans you up and you a hog that returns to wallowing in the muck and mire, you return to the vomit, you return to your old ways. He says that he had sinned, he forgave her. In other words, he didn't condemn her, but he told her, sin no more. We have to start turning to God and destroying those things which we once did. We have to walk in the light as he's in the light. We can no longer walk in darkness. He has set us free. He had set us, set us at liberty. We're free indeed. He had redeemed us. He had bought us. He had reconciled us unto God. So why should we be brought back into bondage again, entangled in this world's affairs, in the things of this world? If he sets us free, seek not to be bound again. Ezekiel reveals that while the Jews were in their captivity, the elders came to seek answers from God. What were their questions? They can be ascertained by God's reply. Notice that the elders came to him. And overall, the questions seem to have been similar, uh, something similar to why are we having all this trouble? Uh, what is the problem? And what can we we expect to return to Jerusalem. God's answer begins to take shape in verse 7 of that 20th chapter. Each of you throw away your abominations which are before their eyes. The last phrase meaning those things that you delight in. You have to throw all that away that you think is pleasant. Those things that you desire that you feel comfortable with. You have to die to self crucify self. The things of this world and the love of the things of the world are cause your life. You have to pick up your cross and deny yourself and follow after him. It's a switching of desires. You have to desire that which God your desires have to become the desires that he desires for him to give you the, the desires of your heart. He implants those into you. That's because if you ask him for something and Jesus told you that anything that you desire, ask the Father in his name and he'll give you that. But he's not going to give you something that's harmful or destructive to you. He says if a son asks of a fish, will he give him a serpent? If he asks for a stone, a bread, will he give him a stone? No, so your father is not going to give you wealth if you can't handle wealth. If prosperity destroys a fool, why give you that? So, 
to be put in a position to receive that which God has given you. If he gives you a Manasseh to help you forget the things that were back there as he did Joseph, he gave him Manasseh and he says that helped him forget. He also gives you an Ephraim. He causes you to be fruitful. He causes prosperity. But in that fruitful and prosperity, why would you go back and give it to women that's living idolatrous lives? You living in a, a project or you living in a neighborhood and none of these women that are friends are coming by you are married. None of them have a life to where they're about to get married. None of them are going to church or whatever. Why should you share in that which God giveth you to them? All they're going to do is bring their kids over and take your time up and you're not going to be able to concentrate on God. I've seen this growing up. You're not going to be able to study God's word you think it's prosperous, the little things that they're giving you, the little trinket. You think your friends that's coming by and says, let's go have a drink or let's go do this. They could think it's strange if you don't go to dinner with you, them or you don't do. But all of that communicating bad company corrupts good manners. It's better to be alone and to prosper in God and do what God's. That's why we can't grow in God because you can't forget that that had kept you down. That's what didn't kept you bound all your life. It's time to loose that and let it go. It's time to leave those friends and get a new set of friends. He said, he'll give you friends in this life. He'll give you brothers and sisters. In it's a better crowd to run with. That's a song that, uh, what's his name, Travis? What's the guy named? A better better. Class of losers. It's to get a better class of losers because all the friends and things he run with her friend was keeping them down. You have to be with a better class of losers. So you with losers, you need a better class of losers because these people, their lifestyle think God can't prosper them. And they're keeping you in the pig pit. They're keeping you in the hog style. You need to brush them off. You need to. You can't rise in the Lord. And once they see you rising in the Lord, they're holding unto you because of the anointing that's on your life. And it's good to them to hold it on. But you being frustrated and disappointed because God's not bringing you to higher heights. And it's you that's holding yourself bound. And He had liberated you and loosed you. But it's something that you have to do. You have to struggle to be free. You have to not let this world bring you down captive. God's answer begins to take shape. He says, recall the Israelite did what seemed right or pleasurable to them, but not necessarily what was delightful or right to God. Since God commanded them to throw away what was a delight to them, we must understand then that the delight of their eyes was to God idolatry and rebellion. Saul said, well, we say the best of this stuff to sacrifice to you. He says, does the Lord require obedience rather than sacrifice? It is better to obey than sacrifice. That brief phrase containing perspectives, it identifies what God had against them. The idolatry. Idolatry is as the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion is witchcraft. 
idolatry is placing another God ahead of God. He's a jealous God. He won't tolerate another God. He's the only God, and that's the only thing in your life, and it should be in your life. The delight of their eyes was the idol that they looked at and gave their devotion to. The last thing I don't have time to cover this afternoon is peace and safety. First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, the second through the third verse. He says, For you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord of his return is coming, just as a thief comes unexpectedly and suddenly in the night. While they are saying peace and safety and all is well and secure, then in a moment and an unforeseen time, destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains on a woman with child and they will absolutely not escape for they will be no way to escape the judgment of God and that judgment starts at the house of God so don't let people tie you down you remember the five wise and the five foolish and they keep filling their lamps with oil people don't want you filling your lamps with oil he says continue being filled with the Spirit. That means you're seeking after the Lord in that day and time because there's a come a time that you're not going to be able to find the Lord. That's, that's in the Song of Solomon. She slept and slept until her beloved came and left. Some of these people you have to pull off and leave behind. You have to lay aside those weights and sin that's besetting you. The day of the Lord is when Christ returns, overthrows the government of the earth and anyone else opposing him, and establishes his kingdom upon earth. And we know he's in the midst of doing this now, and he started doing the time of Daniel where that mountain, that was that rock that was hewn out without hands, that spiritually, that the kingdom of God is among us, and we should feel that pull, that tug upon us, calling us to higher heights that our faith should be increasing and that we should see God working around us as we hew down the idols around us. We got to tear down Baal's altars. Just as Gideon had to tear down his father's altar, Isaiah said, it's got too much stuff around here. I got to tear down these other altars before I can build God's altar. The things in our lives, we have to hew them down. Every tree that the Father had in planted, He's going to give you wisdom and understanding that to discern who's with you and who's not with you. And as Jesus Christ says, He that is not with me is against me. And you will have to speak those things which become sound dark. It's not going to be comfortable and they're not going to want to hear it. But you will have to do that which God's Word is sanctifying you for. In other words, it's setting you apart. It's washing and cleansing you. But you don't have faith to do these things. Why? Because there are so many faith blockers around you. These idols are faith blockers. King Uzziah had to be moved out of the way before Isaiah could see clearly the Lord. Who's in your way and keeping you or hindering you from seeing the Lord? Though the ultimate end will be happy, the day of the Lord signifies a great deal of calamity and destruction. There has to be destruction before you can rebuild. There has to be, as he told Jeremiah, he gives him that hammer to tear down. But with that same hammer, the gospel that he tears down, he builds up with it. 
It's a, how you use that. It's how you use the sword. Are you skilled in the use of the Word of God? The only way that could come through is prayer and exercise of use of the Word of God. We have to get accustomed to using the Word of God. In other words, praying it back to Him. He wants you to pray His Word back to Him. He wants you to know the Word of God. He wants you to meditate on it day and night, assimilate it into your very being. The Word was God and the Word became God. You became that Word. Let it dwell richly in you. Let it be your life's blood. Eat the Word. Eat the whole roll. Eat all of it. Though Those who believe in the sovereign God know that military might is of revelation relatively small value. How is Ukraine fighting against those Russians with all of that military might and tactical strength they have? It's wisdom. God gives us wisdom. It's, 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 it's not through flesh and blood. This is spiritual warfare we're engaged in. We, we're born again. If we're redeemed, God is loosing Satan's hold, but it's through prayer. It's through the Word of God. It's being a doer of God's Word. Satan can't hold you back. He once had you bound, but not Jesus Christ had redeemed. He had loosed you, and he's fighting for you to overcome. He wants you to be overcomer. The only one hindering you is you. Paul said, I see another law within my members bringing me into bondage of the law of sin and death. You have to have great faith to overcome. God protects whom he chooses to protect and he destroys whom he wills to destroy. The size of the army was irrelevant with Gideon because Gideon had 300 men that went against 120,000. Right? It's not the size. It's the God that you serve. You will have to go fight your Goliath. You, he wants you to be able to speak to the mountain and that mountain to move and be cast into the sea. It's only by walking in the ability to become the sons of God. He had given you that ability to become the sons of God. Why aren't we walking therein? It's the idols that, the, the ties that bind. It's the cords that bind us. The book of Solomon says, Loosening the cords that bind us. That we pray in Ephesians that God will pull down the strongholds that bind us. That we bring every thought into the captivity and obedience of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We have to eat, live, and breathe the word. We have to become the word as he became the word. As the word was made flesh, the word that is in us it becomes a spiritual word, giving life, blooming up out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. And with that word, that's a rod, that's a sword, that's what you fight this fight with, the word of God. The gospel, the power of the word of God. Speak a word. You can speak and things will fall in line with you. Say to that mountain, speak to the mountain. Even Satan was powerless to harm Job until God lessened his protective grip. So he's holding you in the palm of your hand. The devil's in hell can't pluck you out. So why aren't you fighting this battle? If God got your back and nothing can destroy you, if he's for you, who can be against you? 
But you're running around, you're scared of your spouse, you're scared of your children, you're scared of your parents, you're scared of the people on the job. He hadn't given you a spirit of fear. Where is this spirit coming from? It's the idols around you. And he says an idol is nothing. He says that's what he's causing this spirit to come upon you. But he says one would be able to put 5,000 to flight. But if you go against God's word and not walk in his statutes, you will run when nobody chase you. <laughs> You'll be vexed and afraid to lay down. The empire of Egypt was all but eliminated without Israel so much as raising the sword. All they did was walk away. Moses raised up the rod. They crossed the Red Sea. Are you crossing the Red Seas in your life? What is... What rivers are you afraid to thread across? What are your Jordans? Are you crossing your Jordans? He said, even though the water come up to the neck, it wouldn't overcome you. That you would be able to go through the waters. That he would bring you through the waters. The waters is symbolic. is a great group of people coming up against you. A great flood of false doctrine. A great group of people are coming up against you. But he made you of bronze. You've been tested. You've been tried in the fire. Go on and go through. Keep going through. This fact may be impossible for secular Americans to grasp and even difficult for religious Americans to comprehend if they do not take God at his word. Do you take God at his word? If you can't grasp God's word, if you don't believe God, if you don't trust God, and you don't have that walk of faith, you could fail. Something has caused this to be. God hadn't placed you that in you. The Spirit of God hadn't given you that 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 fear. But if you believe God and that seed, that seed of faith that's growing in you. It's ever-increasing faith. It, it is the woman's faith that made her whole that said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Mm-hmm. What caused a man to rise up and walk, he says, your faith has made you whole. Do you actually believe what Jesus said? Do you believe the word of God that by his stripes you were healed? You will be able to walk out of here. You will be able to possess these things that once had you bound, you will be overcome and you will be like Manasseh. You'll be fruitful. God wants you to prosper and be in health. It is you that are allowing the idols of this world to keep you in bondage and to hold you back. I'm going to have to end here tonight and we have to pick up idols another place and another time. I've kind of veered off course a little bit, but we have to realize that God says it's self, and we have to die to self. Self-idolization is our problem. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this day, Lord God,